0: In March of 2022, it was a sad, sad day for a lot of music lovers. Um, the wildly successful rock band, the Foo Fighters, announced the tragic death of their high energy, uber talented, and super friendly drummer, Taylor Hawkins. Uh, part of the sadness that was due, to, uh, part of the sadness publicly was because of the very open and public friendship that Taylor shared with Foo Fighters frontman, Dave Grohl. Um, Hawkins had battled drug addiction for the majority of his life. In 2001, he had actually gone into a coma because of uh, uh, a drug overdose. And Dave sat by his side in the hospital for the full two weeks, never left, slept in the hospital, and wouldn't leave until his uh, friend woke up. At one point... Uh, Dave described his friend uh, Taylor Hawkins like this. He says, tearing through the room like an F5 tornado of hyperactivity, I'm sorry, tearing through the room like an F5 tornado of hyperactive joy was Taylor Hawkins, Girl wrote, my brother from another mother, my best friend, a man whom I could take a bullet, uh, a man for whom I would take a bullet. Grohl, who lost Nirvana bandmate, Kurt Cobain, when he, was, when he committed suicide in 1994, had an even, even deeper bond with Hawkins. They had an instant connection upon meeting, which, with Grohl calling it love at first sight. Upon first meeting, our bond was immediate, and we grew, grew closer with every day, every song, every note that we ever played together. I'm not afraid to say that our chance meeting was kind of love at first sight, igniting a musical twin flame, that still burns to this day, Grohl wrote. Together, we have become an unstoppable duo, on stage and off, in pursuit of any and all adventure we can find. We are absolute, absolutely meant to be, and I'm grateful that we found each other in this phase of our life. How many of us have a deep friendship like that? That's what we'll be talking about today. Um, We'll continue our study of King David by looking at his friendship with uh, Jonathan, who was the son of King Saul. Um, David and Jonathan are are, are probably the most epic ancient friendship, but they were very different. Uh, Jonathan was a prince who grew up in a palace and was trained in the uh, uh, art of war. David was a shepherd who lived in the field with sheep. He was a poet. Uh, he was uh, a musician. Uh, Jonathan had his armor, his sword, his spear. David had his harp and his poetry book. Um, but, but make no mistake, um, they were committed to the same God. And in their commitment to God, they forged a deep friendship. Uh, <clears throat> The young artistic shepherd boy was not just a shepherd boy. He was also a mighty warrior like Jonathan because of the Spirit of God upon him. So we're going to be reading um, uh, several passages about their friendship, but we're going to start um, where it all began for them. Uh, we'll be reading from First Samuel 17, 54 through 18, 5. If you have your Bible and want to turn there uh, please stand uh, for the hearing of God's word. It starts off great. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem but he put his armor up first. As soon as saw Saul saw David and uh, out against. I'm, I'm sorry. As soon as Saul saw David go out against the Philistine, referring to Goliath the giant, he said to Abner, the commander of the armor army, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, As your soul lives, O king, I don't know who this guy is. And the king said, Inquire whose son this boy is. And as soon as David returned from striking down the Philistine. "'Abner took him and brought him before Saul "'with the head of the Philistine still in his hand. "'And Saul said to him, "'Whose son are you, young man?' "'And David answered, "'I'm the son of your servant, Jesse the Bethlehemite.' "'As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, "'the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, "'and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. "'And Saul took him that day "'and would not let him return to his father's house.' This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. In his book, The Four Loves, C.S. Lewis has a, a quote. He says Friendship is unnecessary, like philosophy, like art. It has no survival value. Rather, it is one of those things which gives value to survival. Amen. Friendship gives value to survival. Um, We're going to look at four aspects of friendship that we see in the uh, friendship of David and Jonathan. We'll look at the humility, uh, the advocacy, the deep affection, and the loyalty that existed between these two friends and warriors. Ultimately, we will see that their friendship points to something much more significant than the brotherhood these two men experienced. We will see, as Pastor Jeff often says, that the gospel runs the path of normal, ordinary relationships. <clears throat> Before we dive into their relationships, it's important to understand that friendships don't just happen. David and Jonathan didn't simply become friends by random chance. Uh, Their friendship was forged by common experience and proximity. Common experience and proximity. Again, in uh, The Four Loves by C.S. Lewis, Lewis continues writing this. In friendship, we think we have chosen our peers. In reality, a a few years difference in the dates of our births, a few more miles between certain houses, the choice of one university instead of another, the accident of a topic being raised or not raised at a first meeting, any of these chances might have kept us apart. But for a Christian, there are, strictly speaking, no chances. A secret master of ceremonies has been at work. Christ, who said to his disciples, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, can truly say to every group of Christian friends, Ye have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for one another. The friendship is not a reward for discriminating in good taste and finding one another. It is the instrument by which God reveals to each of us the beauties of others. Isn't that good? So if you've got a great friend right now, know that God did that. God's the one who put those good friends together. I'll try not to choke up as I go along here because I see some of those kind of people in my life sitting here today. Um, So let's start here in uh, 1 Samuel 17, 54, 18 through 5 and see the deep humility that Jonathan shows towards uh, uh, David. If you're keeping up, uh, humility will be the first attribute that we discuss. So number one, humility. Humility. These guys are instantly friends, and there's not a good reason for Jonathan to like David because David is accomplishing things in the kingdom that could actually usurp Jonathan's opportunity to rise to be the most powerful man in the kingdom, but you don't see that in Jonathan. There is no competition. All that Jonathan sees is that guy holding that guy's head. I love that guy. And don't you love that about each other, that that's what drew them together was their, th- that warrior nature that uh, Jonathan, who we learned earlier, had climbed up with his armor bearer and said, well, if nobody's going to fight him. We'll go fight him. And they climb up the uh, side of the hill and they're even getting taunted by the Philistines. It kind of reminds me of a, a, a Monty, Monty Python scene where they're making fun of the guys as they're trying to climb up the wall. Thanks, Dave. I knew you... Be the one who laughs, and uh, uh, but they go up there, and then David or uh, Jonathan and his armor bearer just slay these uh, uh, twenty Philistines, and said, "If if God can save through uh, many, He can save through a few," and, and they just went and they did it, and and Jonathan did it in the power of the Lord. When David went and slayed Goliath, he went in the name of the God of Israel. Uh, these were not men who were attracted to each other simply because, hey, you like to kill people, I like to kill people, let's be pals. They, they were men who saw the work of God happening in the life of the other, and it drew them to one another. Um, and it's interesting, in their friendship, when David went out to face Goliath, where was Jonathan, th- this brave and courageous guy? Why was he not showing up saying, I'll go fight the Philistine? Um, could there have been jealousy in Jonathan's mind that David was the one who actually had courage to face the giant that no one else would, would face? Who knows? But you don't see that in their inter- interaction. All you see is that, that Jonathan sees David and says that his heart was knit to David. And then he does something very strange. It seems strange. He takes off his robe, his royal robe, and clothes David in it. And he gives David all of his armor, in in a moment of of basically prophecy saying, I recognize you as the king. You're the king, not me. And uh, there was just this level of deep humility that they had for one another. And I think this is important. Um, David and Jonathan knew one another. The the humility that they had with each other, uh, there was no competition, so they were able to fully know one another. You can have a pal and you can have a brother. A pal is someone who wants to know the best version of you. Let's go have fun. I, I don't want to hear about all the other stuff. Let's just go have fun. But a brother is someone who wants to know you fully, that wants to know everything about you. And and that's what they had, a true brotherhood. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. That's what they had. Um, the next picture that I want to look at of, of these two friends um, is in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 20 uh, verses 26 through 34. And before we read those passages, I want to set the story up. This is at a time where uh, David has gone out and he is he, he's doing his thing and taking names. He is winning battles and Uh, uh, Saul notices that David is winning many battles. They're saying Saul has killed his thousands David has killed his tens of thousands and you'd think that Saul would think man I've got this superstar national hero in my command great leaders surround themselves with people who are better than themselves but insecure leaders are intimidated by the men around them Saul was intimidated, and David knew this, and he went to Jonathan and said, Jonathan, I think your dad's going to kill me. And Jonathan's like, that couldn't be. My dad tells me everything. There's no way he would kill you. And uh, then, then David's like, no, he, he's afraid that it will hurt you. He knows how you feel about me. He's, he's going to kill me. And Jonathan said, no, I think, I think you're missing it, but um, just in case, we'll, we'll set up this plan what we'll do is, um, don't show up for dinner. There's a new moon coming and, uh, you'll be missing. And if my dad says, where's David, I'll tell him that you asked to take leave and you went back to Bethlehem to be with your clan, uh, for the new moon celebration. And if my dad is fine with that, then we'll know you're okay. But if my dad gets angry, then we'll know that, uh, indeed he's after you and that your life is in danger. They set up a plan where, uh, Jonathan is going to shoot some arrows in a certain direction and uh, kind of give David guidance so that David never has to come out of hiding to know whether or not he should flee or if he should stay there at the kingdom. And and what's crazy about this for David is David is fighting the Philistines, fighting the enemies of Israel, but now he's also having to run from his king. So it's coming from every direction at David, and so he's really depending on his friendship with Jonathan in this moment, and uh, so the the characteristic we're going to look at here is uh, advocacy, in 1 Samuel 20, uh, 26 through 34, thanks Malachi, Um. so they're sitting at the table, Um, David's not there, David's place is empty, and Uh, Yet Saul did not say anything that day, for he thought something has happened to him. He's not clean. Surely he is not clean, meaning he he was not ceremonially prepared for the meal. But on the second day, the day after the new moon, David's David's place was empty. And Saul said to Jonathan, his son, Why has not the son of Jesse come to the meal either yesterday or today? Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked leave of me to go to Bethlehem. He said, let me uh, go for our clan holds a sacrifice in the city and my brother has commanded me to be there. So now if I have found favor in your eyes, let me get away to see my brothers. For this reason, he has not come to the king's table. Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan and he said to him, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman. I I don't know. I do not. I'm sorry. Do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse, to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? This is the part where I think Jonathan starts to realize his dad's a little upset. He, he shames, <laughs> he shames him by his mother's nakedness. I mean, any time that happens to me, I know someone's upset. <laughs> and <laughs> you're. <laughs> You're the son of a rebellious woman, a perverse, rebellious woman. Um, Saul had issues. <laughs> he goes on and says, uh, For as long as the son of Jesse lives on earth, neither you nor your kingdom shall be established. Therefore, send and bring to him to me, for he shall surely die. Uh, Don't you get it, Jonathan? If we don't kill David, he's probably going to usurp you, and you're never going to have a chance to be king. This is a problem. Bring him so that we can kill him so that you can be the king someday. Then Jonathan answered Saul, uh, his father, Why should he be put to death? What has he done? But Saul hurled a spear at him to strike him. You're supposed to be the king. And if we don't kill him, you're not going to be the king. And now I'm mad at you, so I'm going to throw a spear at you and kill you. This is a lunatic. This is a raging, mad king. But Saul hurled his spear at him to strike him. Uh, so So Jonathan knew. Jonathan knew that his father was determined to put David to death. Who knew? And Jonathan rose from the table in fierce anger and ate no food the second day. Of the month, for he was grieved for David, because his father had disgraced him. Just a funny passage of of just how ludicrous Saul was in his jealousy towards David. Uh, uh, but Jonathan advocates for David, and he's like, "Dad, this guy has done great things for the kingdom. Why are you so upset?" And and even at the risk of his own life, advocates for David and saying he's a he's a good man. You shouldn't be so angry and, uh, and, and almost got pinned to the wall with a spear. Um, advocacy. The other way we talk about this is I've got your back. That's how we use that term today. Um, there's a great scene like this in the movie Tombstone. Um, Tombstone is the story of uh, Wyatt Earp and his brothers. And, and in the show, he's got a, a friend, uh, Doc Holliday, and we learned throughout the show that one of the reasons Doc Holliday is so faithful to Wyatt Earp is because um, Wyatt is the only friend that Doc Holliday has, and for good reason. Doc wasn't a great guy, but but for whatever reason, they were great pals. But at this one point in the show, um, Wyatt Earp is approached by the deadly pistolier Johnny Ringo, and Johnny wants to pick a fight and have a duel with... Wyatt Earp, and there is no chance that Wyatt Earp is as fast as Johnny Ringo. Well, Doc Holliday is sitting in the barber's chair, and he hears what's going on in the street, and he jumps out, and he runs out there, and this is the one where he has his gun behind his back, and he's walking like this. You remember the scene? Val Kilmer did it way better than that. Um, <laughs> but he walks out there, and, and in the movie, he's walking along, and he says, I'm your huckleberry. And it's like, what does that mean? What does, what does it mean when he says, I'm your huckleberry? And what it turns out is that probably was not the original intent of the uh, rider. The, the word was, I'm your handlebearer. It was supposed to be, I'm your handlebearer, which means whatever you have to bear, I'm going to put my handle on it too. So here's Wyatt Earp in a bad situation that he's not going to win. And Doc Holliday says, I'm your handlebearer but it sounds cooler when Val Kilmer says, I'm your huckleberry, so we'll never change that. And I don't want to ruin the movie for you by telling you what it's really supposed to be, but it makes more sense that a good friend is one that says, I'm your handlebearer. Whatever you suffer, I'm here with you, and I'm going to hang on to it with you. That's what an advocate is. That's someone who has your back. That's the relationship that Jonathan showed to David when he went before his lunatic father to uh, advocate for David. David. So, um, number three if you're taking notes number three the next uh, characteristic of of deep friendship is deep affection we're going to look at a couple of different passages we're still in 1 Samuel chapter 20 so we'll go there first Uh, 1 Samuel 20 uh, 41 and 42 and as soon as The boy had gone, David rose from behind the stone heap and fell on his face to the ground and bowed three times. And they kissed one another and wept with one another, David weeping the most. Then Jonathan said to David, go in peace because we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord saying, the Lord shall be between me and you and between my offspring and your offspring forever. And he rose and departed and Jonathan went into the city. So here they, they um, show deep affection for one another. They hug each other. They kiss each other. They swear um, to one another that whatever happens in this warring kingdom, that they will look after the families of one another, whatever might happen. And then look also in 2 Samuel 2, uh, 1, 25 and 26, I'm sorry, 2 Samuel uh, 1, 25 and 26. This is the funeral dirge that uh, um, David offers uh, at the death of Saul and Jonathan. Uh, Saul and Jonathan are struck down in battle. And in verse 25, David cries, how the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan lies slain on your high places I am distressed for you, my brother, Jonathan. Very pleased, very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women, how the mighty have fallen, and the weapons of war perished. (sighs) Weeping, crying, kissing, hugging, proclaiming that the love of their friendship was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women, what is going on here? What, what, it, what is happening between David and Jonathan in this moment? We actually currently live in a culture that is so confused about love that we often only can think of love in sexual terms. And, and people have asked the question, was this evidence of same-sex sac- attraction between uh, David and Jonathan? And uh, no, it absolutely wasn't. But, but the confusion is there because of the culture we live in. But I'll ask it this way. Have you ever been in a dark place, a place that's so dark that you don't know if you will physically survive or psychologically survive, but then your brother, your pal comes and puts their arm around you, kisses you on the head, hugs you in a way that you can just collapse into the safety of their hug and know that everything's going to be okay because you're not alone? That's what's happening here. It's powerful. It's beautiful. Men and women, you should have friends in your life who you can collapse into their hug when they're there. We should be the kind of friends that can throw our arms around our pals, hug them. I I saw a picture while I was planning this, and there was a picture of two uh, soldiers in World War II where one of the men was collapsed in, in the lap of the, older soldier an older soldier had him by the head and you could tell that he was weeping and these are two soldiers and there was nothing more masculine about it than these two warriors weeping at what they had just been through this is a beautiful and powerful thing Uh, pastor dane ortland in his book gentle and lowly great book if you've not read gentle and lowly please do Um, gentle and lowly is referring to a friendship with jesus Uh, Ortland makes this observation of our present American culture. Uh, We need not retreat to historic or even Christian authors to learn that we today have lamentably impoverished the category even of friendship between humans, perhaps especially among men. Richard Godbeer, professor of history at Virginia Commonwealth University, has shown through an extensive review of written correspondence that male friendship has been greatly diluted In the present time, when compared with the richness of healthy, non-erotic affection between men in colonial America, true friendship is marked by deep affection that is expressed between friends. This is healthy. Uh, Affection need not be stolen and perverted by the culture as some type of erotic desire. So there is, in friendship, humility. There is advocacy. There is deep, deep affection. And then fourth, we're going to look at faithfulness. Uh, In faithfulness, we're going to look at uh, a very unique story. It's a great story, but one that you may not have heard. Perhaps you have. Um, We're going to 2 Samuel 9, 1 through 10. It's a story of Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth Mephibosheth was one of Jonathan's sons. Uh, During the, the transition of power from Saul's reign to David's reign there was the fear that all of Saul's family would be killed to keep there from being a rightful heir to the throne who could come in and usurp David as the king and in haste to get out of Jerusalem Mephibosheth was a little boy who was dropped while they were escaping and and he was crippled in his feet and was lifelong uh, afflicted with an ailment that left him broken and uh, unable to to fully function as a man. Um, so jumping forward in 2 Samuel, remember how they had promised, we will look after one another's family. We will take care of each other. We will care about our 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 children, our children's children in time. So in 2 Samuel chapter 9 uh, verse 1 it says the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, he is in the house of Macher, the son of Amiel at Lodebar. Then King David sent him and brought him from the house of Macher, the son of Amiel of Lodebar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of, grandson of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, and he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of your father of your of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should regard for a dead dog such as I? David says, I, I want you with me. There was no reason for David to do this other than faithfulness. Mephibosheth didn't bring any uh, value to the relationship. He he was not going to be a great warrior. He was crippled at his feet. It was going to cost David greatly. He was going to give back to uh, uh, Mephibosheth all of the personal land that belonged to uh, uh, Saul and Jonathan. But he wanted to do this because of Jonathan. He wanted to show kindness uh, to him. So... Uh, great faithfulness in the friendship that that stood and lasted long beyond uh, Jonathan's lifetime so there you go those are four characteristics of friendship all good things Um, who would love to have a friend like Jonathan A, a handle bearer like Jonathan but we don't really control how people respond to us we don't really control who's going to be that kind of friend to us the only thing that we can control is, is perhaps going and being a friend to someone like Jonathan and then see who responds. Um, so I could end here and say, so go be like Jonathan. Show humility. Be an advocate. Be faithful. Show deep affection for your friends. Um, it's good advice. These are good things to do to form friendship. But, but is there power in good advice can some of you think of times where you were a really crummy friend or where your friends were really crummy to you how good are we at really being friends so could there be something deeper going on here could there be something more powerful as jeff preached last week is it a safe place for us to think great i'm going to leave here i'm going to be a great friend to somebody can we is that a safe place for us will we be consistent at that Let's take a look at something better. When we see Jonathan's humility towards David, Jonathan does something. He he takes off his royalty and clothes someone else in it. There is a better friend who clothes clothes us with his very own righteousness. Jesus sees that we are broken and naked. He fulfills all of God's requirements for righteousness and he clothes us in his righteousness uh, at, at no expense to us. So when, when Jonathan clothed David in his righteousness, we have a far greater friend in Jesus who clothed, clothes us in his righteousness. You then see Jonathan be an advocate for uh, David. He goes and, and he, he stands in the way and tells his father, David's a good man. Don't let your wrath fall upon him. But uh, Jesus is a, a, a better advocate. He always sits in the Father's right hand, reminding him that he has paid for our sins, our foolishness, our failure to be a good friend, our self righteousness. God has poured out his wrath on Jesus so that Jesus can be our advocate. What about deep affection? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. What greater love is there than than that a man would lay down his life for his friends? And I think that Jonathan would probably die for David. I think when, when Dave Grohl said of Taylor Hawkins that he's the man for whom he would take a bullet, I think he probably would. But would they take a bullet for their enemies? I wouldn't. I wouldn't take a bullet for my enemies. I have some friends I hope that I would lay down my life for, but I I wouldn't lay down my life for my enemies. And and Jesus laid down his life for his enemies, and he did it affectionately by saying, I'll demonstrate how much I love you. God demonstrates his love to us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hmm. Faithfulness. Mephibosheth brought nothing to King David. It was a a sheer act of grace that David would uh, bring him into his home, share everything that he has, restore to him all that he had lost. But it didn't cost David his life. For you and for me, Jesus is a better friend than David. His love towards us cost him everything. He went before the Father to represent everything despicable, everything the Father hated, Jesus took before the Father for us. Jesus is the real friend. Jesus is the real friend. I mentioned at the beginning that common experience, experience and proximity uh, are necessary for a great friendship, for God to come and dwell amongst us, to suffer what we've suffer, suffered, suffered, He solved the problem of proximity and shared experience. He knows what we've suffered. He's endured everything that we've endured and more. He's removed every obstacle to friendship. He is our best friend and the best friend we could ever want. You'll never find a more humble advocate who loves you affectionately who will faithfully have you forever. Trust him. He's alive, and he will receive you as a friend. Let's pray.